the Hoop Collective podcast, we talk about the NBA, and of course, we are presented by Goodyear. Drive always discovers possibilities. Goodyear, more driven. Joining us tonight from Florida, Southwest Florida, is Bobby Marks, our cap insider, front office insider. Just he's a high-level basketball uh, expert. I don't. He's all these insider titles, but uh, is Bobby Marks, Bobby. Welcome. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good. By the way, I should mention we are recording this uh, near midnight on Sunday night, um, right after the Lakers uh, beat the Rockets, 117-109 to even that series. And uh, joining us from Oklahoma City is Royce Young. Royce, welcome. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, Brian. Very good. Um, Royce was playing tennis tonight. (laughs) I and, um, did you see Novak Djokovic get thrown out for hitting the the line jump? Yeah, of course. Naturally, that was the first joke we all made, and it was pretty lame by the by the time the fourth guy showed up. We were like, "We've already made the joke. Don't make it. It's already okay. been done." All right, that was uh, that was an all time. Can you imagine if that like like happened something like that like happened in an NBA game where like uh, LeBron like thought he was throwing to a ball boy, but instead it hit a ref like in uh, the neck and they ejected him. Speaking of Russell Westbrook, he did that. He got a technical foul for throwing the ball at the referee. He claimed it was an accident. I think it was in Charlotte two years ago, maybe. He, I, what referee? He hit him right in the head. I'm trying to remember which referee it was. Well, it wouldn't well, have been. If it's anyone, it will probably be Scott Foster at the end of the day. So, <laughs> Well, a lot of if, players uh, if the Rockets had been lucky, Russell Westbrook would have hit Scott Foster with the pass tonight <laughs> and been thrown out because he – now, I don't want to take anything away from the Lakers. The Lakers came out with terrific um, defensive intensity, um, really good game plan improvement, got production up and down the lineup, excellent performance, uh, championship-level performance for sure. Russell Westbrook was absolutely horrible in this game. And um, the Lakers are playing the Rondo defense on Westbrook, and he is handing them gifts by deciding to shoot. Um, Everybody in the Rockets starting lineup was a plus in plus minus tonight. Um, with the exception of Westbrook, who was a, I believe, a minus fourteen in a uh, in an eight point loss. Um, Westbrook took seven three pointers in this game. He was one of seven. He also had seven turnovers. You want to take a guess? The last time Russell Westbrook took seven three pointers, Brian, I was just pulling game. up the game log because I was about to wonder that out loud. Let's see. I've I've no, I've already looked it up, but I'll let yeah. you. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it was uh, back in December is my guess. That was a hell of a guess. Christmas Day. Yeah, against the Warriors. Yeah, he took 11 maybe, I'm guessing. That's eight. Um, eight, okay. eight yeah. Bobby, he had taken um, more than five three-pointers one time in 26 games. That whole last third of the season when the Rockets went small and they convinced him to not space the floor and instead attack, you know, basically they had a spacing problem and they fixed it by – convincing him that you're not a spot-up shooter. He took one, he took more than five, he took five or more threes one time in 26 games. He's taken five or more in each of the first two games of this series. And um, just his a gift to the Lakers, even though it's 1-1, have, has killed uh, the, the Rockets when he's been out there. It'll be interesting to see what Mike D'Antoni does 
uh, game three and going forward. Well, yeah. I mean, I just listened to coaches post game and, you know, he's going to defend them, of course, but, and, and, you know, he's, of course, he came up, you know, of course he said, you know, he's still shaking off that, that rust from being out uh, for, you know, part of those uh, seeding games and, and playoffs, but they, the, Houston got back in the game when he was on the bench, um, you know, and they had a five point lead in that five point lead to start the, the fourth quarter or something late in the third quarter there. Um, but yeah, I mean, all seven attempts, <laughs> I mean, there was no one, no one near him. I mean, it was kind of like the Rondo defense, right? Um but it's it's as we've all seen in this and Royce, you've seen him for his whole career. It's it's one speed, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's no um, there's no second gear here for him to kind of pull back. It's kind of all or nothing. I mean, one of Westbrook's greatest qualities is, is he's unafraid, Bobby, and 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 that's honestly been kind of the playoff defense the teams in recent years have deployed against Westbrook, uh, the Jazz, the Blazers, um, even the Thunder did it at times. I mean, if anybody knows what defense to play on Westbrook, it's the Thunder, but. Um, is you, you try to turn Russell Westbrook into his own worst enemy, and you, you try to kind of invert that fearlessness to him. I, you know, in the fourth quarter, I just looked. I, I think it's right. He took three of his seven in the fourth quarter, and that's that's kind of Westbrook's mo. Is that when it, when his team starts to slip, he is the guy that it, it's not selfishness. I've always tried to tell people it's not really selfishness with Westbrook. It's just a fine. I got to do this by myself. Then, like, I'll just do it. And he really just takes that burden upon himself. And it's one of his greatest qualities, I think, because when it succeeds, oh, man, is it glorious. I mean, Russell Westbrook at the peak of his powers in clutch time, I mean, there's few like him. But the problem is, is it is like woefully inconsistent. And you see these types of implosions like he had in the fourth quarter where he, he tries to do way too much. And, and basically what he tries to do, Brian, is he tries to shoot a 10-pointer. That's what Westbrook's trying to do half the time is that he feels like his, his threes, he's, he's going to crank one and it's going to turn the tide. James Harden, 12 shots, Russell Westbrook, 15. And I know the Harden is it's a little bit hidden because of free throws. Harden doesn't get shot attempt charges or whatever when he gets the line, but that's a huge victory for the Lakers when that happens. And frankly, you know, I know that the Rockets probably feel pretty good about themselves because like, okay, well, the series is 1-1. And, um, you know, Russ has not been good. Uh, you know, even he scored 24 in game one, but he wasn't efficient. Uh, and again, they they want him to, to play that way. Um, the Rockets probably like, you know, this is, this is okay. We're, it's 1-1. But they go 22 of 53 on threes tonight. Now you got to win that game. Yeah. You know, listen to these three-point shooting. P.J. Tucker, 4 of 7. Robert Covington, 4 of 8. Eric Gordon, 6 of 12. James Harden four of eight. Daniel House three of seven. That's a that's a win by eighteen to thirty performance. Um, you know the Lakers shot the ball very well as a team, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, Laker the uh, Rockets defense, which had been very strong throughout the playoffs, let them down a little bit. But um, you know for the Lakers to survive that shooting night, uh, they survived it frankly because of Westbrook and. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what D'Antoni does. Swipping over to the Lakers, um, had to have it. You know, falling down 2-0, it's obviously not impossible. You know, one of the incredible stats that I heard the last couple of days um, is that LeBron is 11-8 and in series in his career when he loses game one. And I was like, wow, he's had 20 series where he's lost game one. Um, you know, he's a man who's played in a lot of series. 
Um, in other words, it was like, you know, don't panic. He's not panic when he's down, um, when he's down one Oh, but, uh, they played with incredible, like I said, just incredible defensive energy, especially in the first and fourth quarters, held the Rockets to 37 points. Um, Bobby, uh, while Mike D'Antoni was playing Russell Westbrook and the Rockets fans were slapping their heads, uh, Frank Vogel relied heavily on Rajon Rondo tonight, <laughs> um, which you know he hurt them a lot in game one. Rondo plays 29 minutes, four of nine from the field. He was not being covered. He did have a couple of shots where he took advantage of it. Um, but here's where he, he really got nine assists, five steals, including some ball hawking on James Harden, which I think kind of slowed him down a little bit. Um, plus 28 on the plus minus. Um, Rondo played great. And then Markeith Morris, uh, you know, the Lakers – any one of their role players shoots the ball well, and it's like ban- manna from heaven. And uh, they get f- uh, four three-pointers and f- uh, 16 points from Markeith Morris. Um, those two those two players, you know, were, were a difference in the game. Well, yeah, I mean, Markeith in the, in the first quarter, um, you know, certainly gave him separation. I think he hit, what did he hit, four threes in a row there? That's right, um, yeah. And then Rondo, you know, is kind of, you know, he's that lightning rod. I mean, like, it's either going to go one way or another, and there's no in between there. And um, hit a big shot. I mean, uh, Houston had cut it to, to, to six, I think 113-107, and hit a, a shot in the lane um, to kind of basically ice the game. But you're right. I mean, out of the bench, guys, I mean, Alex Caruso played 26 minutes too, Brian. I mean, his minutes um, – you know what? What are you, you're looking at? A you know, Deion Waiters goes out with a groin injury, um, so now you're you basically have two guards coming off your bench and and Rondo and um, and Caruso right now. So uh, yeah, Frank Vogel had a choice in this game um, because PJ Tucker has been pretty effective all year on Anthony Davis. So his choice was he could either try to match down a little bit and reduce the big man minutes play Caruso more, which Caruso was limited in game one because of foul trouble. People were complaining about it. only played 16 minutes, but part of that was because he was, he had five fouls in 16 minutes. Um, play Caruso more. And, and this, and, you know, maybe make room for Deion Waiters uh, who he did play in the rotation, but Waiters got hurt. Um, uh, or he could play big more, expand JaVale McGee's minutes Um and that would force PJ Tucker to be on JaVale McGee more and force an easier matchup on Covington or Eric Gordon um, or Jeff Green or whomever they put on him when, when uh, PJ Tucker was out of the game. Um, sort of, you know, not trying to beat fire with fire, but matching big. And Vogel went with the first. He decided to, to stay small, only did not play Dwight Howard at all. Only played JaVale McGee eight minutes. Uh, JaVale went out with an ankle injury. He's getting an MRI tonight. Um, must be something significant. Um, but even if he hadn't been injured, I don't think he would have played a lot more. Um, and, you know, it, it worked. And Anthony Davis, um, you know, they he can get whatever he wants in this series. Uh, he Even though P.J. Tucker is effective on him, there's enough ways to get him the ball in space where you either are going to get him in a huge matchup advantage or he is going to draw a double team and kick it and you're going to get a good shot somewhere. 
Um, and so Anthony Davis, to me, I said last week that he needs to kind of average like 32 or 34 and 15. Tonight he had 34 and 10. That was That's very good. He's shooting 25 of 40 in the series. But he needs to play even, I think, even a higher level. Um, so, Royce, again, it'll be interesting to see if this, you know, especially if JaVale McGee is out, if he continues to match down and mm-hmm. want to play small and go, you know, uh, strength, on, you know, strength on strength, I guess. Well, this is what Billy Donovan kind of resisted doing in the series before, right? He, he, he kind of wanted to stay bigger. Um, there were times where he would go with Danilo Gallinari at the five and the Rockets struggled with it at times. So, you know, I, I think it makes sense logistically. Um, but I think what, what, what is kind of happening and what played out in the Thunder series, and I think is what kind of played out in game two, Brian, is that when you're a team that has these options for adjustments and you give, you know, Frank Vogel has the option for an adjustment. He can play big, he can play small. Billy Donovan has that option and you feel it out throughout the game and you're, you know, the coach has to make the decision at that point. Mike D'Antoni has one way, right? There, there's no adjustment for the Rockets to make. They're going to play small. It's just a matter of if it's P.J. Tucker at the five or Jeff Green at the five, essentially. But um, since you mentioned Billy Donovan, mm-hmm. what, is anybody in Oklahoma City talking about um, his status for next season? Uh, yeah, there's people wondering. <laughs> there's definitely people wondering about what uh, – what he's a free agent, technically, you know? Bobby, I don't mean to go off the time because I'm about to – talk. I don't mean to go off the Lakers here because I'm about to talk about LeBron, but – Billy Donovan, I believe, is a free agent. I believe you're correct. No one talked yeah. about it all year. Uh, That's there's, correct. There's jobs open, I believe. If I last <laughs> checked, there were jobs open. There still are. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like, do you ever remember there being two playoff coaches who were free agents, who like got to the end of their contract? Well, no. I mean, and especially. Mike Antoni was the other one? Yeah, and I, I think Daryl had talked to, I think it was USA Today, that my, you know, which I had thought, we all thought probably if they lose last week to Oklahoma City that Mike's gone. Now Dallas came out and said that he's priority A to bring back, you know, as far well, as – What's he going to say, though? Yeah, I know. That's true. I mean, I mean, yeah, what's you say? Yeah, we we can't wait to, we can't wait to get rid of him. You know, that would have been like, you know, oh, really? Oh, okay. Um, I think he's doing a really good job. I have no idea why they wouldn't have. They wouldn't resign him. I mean, but um, well, he'll have his choice if, if they don't, right? Yeah, I mean, I just Billy Donovan's a free agent. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. Um, LeBron in this game, tremendous overall performance. Um, just one for the for the files. Probably his uh, 98th best playoff game, <laughs> somewhere <laughs> in there. You know, but where uh, does it rank in his game twos, Brian? When he was down one zero. <laughs> Well, he's been down 120 times. Okay. I'd, have to, I'd, have to, I'd have to review 20 of those. It's a top 20. Top 20. You're telling me that. Okay. Yeah. Top 20. It's, probably, it was t- it's actually probably not even in his top 20 of game twos. But it's maybe borderline. You know, he had a game two where he hit a shot at the buzzer to win Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably number one. Um, so he goes for 28 points, uh, 11 rebounds, nine assists, four steals. Also had seven turnovers. But um, – Early in the fourth quarter, Anthony Davis is on the bench. Um, the Rockets had uh, taken the lead. He comes out and plays four devastating LeBron minutes, dunking, driving, pressuring, rebounding, assisting. 
And I know that it drives some Lakers fans crazy, Bobby, that Rondo um, gets minutes. But one of the reasons why that they have to play Rondo, and even though, yes, they don't guard him and it makes it easier to double-team Anthony Davis, one of the reasons that Frank Vogel is playing Rondo is because they need to cheat on possessions where LeBron does not have to initiate the offense. So LeBron is leading the league in average in fourth quarter minutes uh, in the playoffs. Now, I know he hasn't played as many minutes as guys on the Nuggets have, um, but his average is, is, is high up there. And one of the things that LeBron has learned to do over the years is to rest while he's playing. And so they need to have Rondo out there to take some plays from him. And I, I, I see the Lakers fans complaining about this. Why is Rondo bringing the ball up? Rondo is bringing the ball up so LeBron can do a little bit of resting so that he has the energy in that fourth quarter. Um, and it doesn't always going to work. But I, I think that extra energy tonight was helped by the fact that Rondo was able to carry some of the load and get those nine assists earlier in the game. Well, he played 39 minutes, and I felt, Brian, that the you know the tail end of that fourth quarter, he could have probably played another 10 minutes. I mean, he was fresh, right? I mean, you know, he was like – it was almost like flipping a switch as far as from the first quarter to, to the end of the fourth quarter here, and you're right about stealing those, uh, stealing those minutes. I mean, you're not going to expect, you know, A-level LeBron for 40 minutes here. It's kind of, as you said – with Rondo on the court, he's kind of, you know, he's stealing, stealing some, you know, from minutes from, from LeBron here. And, um, yeah, Hey, Frank, Frank, what Frank Vogel has right now, he's got a limited hand. <laughs> I mean, as far as where he is going to, um, and yeah, as we talked earlier, Rondo is going to, it will inf- infuriate you here, but at the end of the day, day is it's to, to win games and to have LeBron and AD on the court in the last, you know, six or seven minutes here and both kind of being, uh, as I said, being fresh. Well, people say people say Brian that you know the ball has energy. The ball also drains energy when you have it in your hands all the time. And you know you, you see it from a lot of yeah, right. a lot of primary ball handlers. This is why they've wanted to kind of link up with other primary ball handlers. Um, Chris Paul has said it before that like you know he, that's one of the reasons he wanted to go play with James Harden was that he got sick of bringing it up all the time. He didn't want to have to initiate every single possession because that can wear you out. Um, and you know LeBron James, for as as much of an alien as he is in basically every physical way, like it's going to drain you when you have to it's mentally and physically when you have to initiate every single possession. So like like you said, I, I think that it's and, and at what point of the game do you want LeBron at his very best at the peak of his powers, fourth quarter? So uh, you know I, I could I could understand the frustration, but heck, Rondo hit a hit a big mid range jumper to, early in the fourth quarter, so. You know, take that's that. why LeBron loved playing with Kyrie. Well, I shouldn't say he loved it, but that was why it was so good for him playing with Kyrie. Yeah, is that he could he could throw the ball over to Kyrie and Kyrie could cook. Kyrie preferred to be the one to choose <laughs> <laughs> choose the uh, choose. Uh, you know, that was a problem. But boy, were they good together when they were. 
The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. So uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, you know, truth be told, we were, you know, plotting this podcast on maybe doing a Bucks obituary, um, but they staved off elimination in a surprising way after Giannis turns his ankle. Giannis left the game in a walking boot, and um, I have suspended disbelief on ankle injuries after Luca came back and had that game after turning his ankle hard over uh, in the first round, um, Bobby. But typically when I see a guy in a, in a, in a walking boot, that is not a minor ankle injury. Um, so, okay, we're in the, we're in elimination game. We're talking about the MVP, anything could happen, but he's either going to be, not be able to play or severely limited or, or, or limited in some way, probably in a, in the game five against the heat. Um, and that is why that so many people are are wondering what his short term future is going to be. Um, I know that you have looked at this extensively. Um, what is your feel as to what the short term future for Giannis and the Bucks are, assuming they don't pull a miracle in this series? Well, yeah, I mean, and we've got an article, we've got an article ready to go when it. Uh, their off-season article. Yeah, I don't want you to uh, steal from that. <laughs> actually, actually we got a part one and part two coming down the road. Whenever this is going to be. I'm sorry, Bucks fans. <laughs> oh, they and they. I tell you what, they hate me. I mean, I just said. <laughs> well, I teased them a little bit too, Brian, because I said, you know, the, I always say like, here's your off-season article, and then I said, well, the, Milwaukee will wait for another day, and yeah, you, know, you come back, it's the whole bias, the Midwest bias, right? You know, we, you guys want Giannis out of Milwaukee. You want him to – why doesn't anybody ever talk about AD in L.A.? And, he, you know, he's a free agent. Nobody talks about him. And I said, well, I said, Giannis has got a $220-plus million decision to make, and if he doesn't sign this extension, yeah, it's a story, right? Like, it's a story for 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 as long as he's in um, he's in Milwaukee. And, yeah, I mean, that that's whenever free agency starts – if it's in November or December, that will be the number one decision for him to make as far as is he going to sign this Supermax extension? Is he going to play out the year? I, I don't see Milwaukee, if he does play out the year, I do not see Milwaukee trading him unless he comes to them and says, I want to get traded. I can't see it. And I and, and, and I, I won't give away the story, but the, the one thing I mentioned in the articles and I said is, if you had to take the best, you know, what, you know, the MVP of the league for one year on your team, right? Would you do it? And you had a team that could potentially compete for a championship, kind of like what Kawhi Leonard did in Toronto. And I think if you're Milwaukee, you're going to roll the dice there uh, unless he comes and says, "I don't want to be there." But which I don't see him doing. Yeah, I think too, guys, is that the. You know, what happens in the next couple months with how the league sets the salary cap? And it's not going to be just for 2021. It's going to be probably for 21, 22. It's going to be a seismic shift here, right? Like, you know, if this thing stays flat, I mean, you, you basically, you start to eliminate a lot of teams. Of course you have 
Miami's still kind of in, a, in that driver's seat, but it makes it a little bit harder for Dallas now. It certainly eliminates the probably the Lakers. Toronto may has the big decision with Fred Van Vliet as far as where their room is going to go. Um, so, so just to, just to expand on that a little bit, right now the salary cap is at one hundred and nine million. Yeah. Um, because of fall, you know, the salary cap is determined by the revenue. Uh, because of falling revenues, instead of the cap going up towards 120, what was the what was the project projection when we were all living in a in a in, in, in 2122 is supposed to be 125. This upcoming year um, for 20 for for next season it was 115. Um, right. So as teams were plotting their Kawhi recruitment strategy, they were thinking that they had 100, we're going to have about 125 million to work with, but they only have 109. Yeah, it's a significant difference. Royce, you know, I mean, I lived it myself in the LeBron wars, but, mm-hmm. you know, being in Oklahoma City, what it's like to be under the gun of superstar free agency. It's um, it's like a, a weight around your ankle as a fan base and as an organization. And I, I don't think there's any like, again, I suppose Milwaukee could rally out of this series. Um, but I, I don't think they're winning the championship this year. I don't think they're getting to the finals. And short of that the clock will start banging on the on the wall immediately after this season ends. It's a hard thing for a franchise to go through. Yeah. Well, you know, as Bobby was running that down, Brian, that's immediately where I started thinking was the, the season leading up to Kevin Durant's free agency. And the significant difference here is this Supermax extension, right? That didn't exist for Kevin Durant. And the, and well, it, it, it exists because Durant Exactly. Exactly. So, but you know, and and you know, it's been well documented by many people about kind of the inverse effect that it has had at times where it does, it, it almost creates more anxiety than originally was there because it, it gives because that it a, a player pressure Right. Becomes the pressure comes a year early. Right. And so there's kind of a decision to be made there and and it's so the incentive is so financially driven that it's like if they're not taking that, then what what is going to lead them to stay? Um, well, that's the Anthony Davis situation. Demarcus Cousins said or, no. Yeah, you know, like uh, um, yeah, a lot of players have gone through that, right? So I remember I went to I remember I went to um, New Orleans in the preseason of last year, and um, I spent time with Anthony. I spent time with Del Demps, their GM at the time. I spent time with Alvin Gentry, and I remember thinking these poor bastards <laughs> because I was pretty sure he was going to want to leave, but I could, I could feel in the air their stress. And I, and I just, I've, I've seen it before and I guess sometimes it works out, but I could feel their stress and that I'm sorry is coming from Milwaukee fair or not Royce. Yeah. But here's the thing though, Brian, and like Bobby said, I think when you zoom out and you try to kind of take a perspective based look on it, if you asked, the Thunder, would you do it all over again exactly knowing what you know now with Kevin Durant? They would say, yep, 10 out of 10 times. We'd do it exact exact same way because they view it as they were four minutes from the NBA Finals. And and they would take that shot over and over and over again to be four minutes from the NBA Finals and 13 Clay Thompson threes or whatever it was that took for, for them to not be there. You know, they felt like they had the team capable of doing it. And look, credit goes to Kevin Durant. For, for whatever you want to think about his, the decision he made to go join the Warriors, that season was basically devoid of noise. There wasn't much of it. It was There was some speculation from media, but there was very little coming out of, of like the Durant camp or other teams. Now, there was a little bit. The first time he went out to Golden State, Woj had a report about that the Warriors were a team that were interested in him, right? But, but for the most part, it was not like this distraction-laden year 
where Durant was getting just bombarded and reports were coming out and will they trade him? What do they have to do with him? It was very clear. Look, Kevin Durant handled his business well in the inside. Thunder handled theirs. It was professional. And really, Kevin Durant handled it the way he's kind of supposed to handle it. He became a free agent and he made a choice. Like that's the way, like there was, there was no like, do they got to trade him leading up to it? Um, and you know who would do it differently? The Cavs, because they did do it differently. Yeah. When LeBron was coming to the end of the contract the second time and he wouldn't extend, they traded Kyrie Irving for a draft pick instead of a player mm-hmm. because they were like, no, no, we're not going to be caught in this again. Situations are obviously not exactly apples to apples and I'm not relitigating that, but the Cavs did not treat it the same, getting a second a second chance at it. It's one thing I'm going to say about – I'm actually going to say two things about this situation. Number one, I don't know Giannis well, okay? But Giannis is not like LeBron. He is not like Durant. He is not like Anthony Davis. Who else qualifies in this? Dwight Howard. He did not grow up playing AAU basketball, okay? He has not been on Team USA. Okay. His American hometown is Milwaukee. He essentially grew, grew up as an as a as his his American experience is in Milwaukee. That doesn't mean he has never been to Los Angeles. <laughs> doesn't mean he has never been to Miami, okay? But in some ways Milwaukee feels like his hometown. Okay? So comparing I think I mean and I mean, again, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, that's, by the way, that's what the people in Milwaukee say. I think it does, Brian. I think it means something. Well, but I, what I'm saying here is, is that there's, I think there's an assumption that like, oh, like other players who have who've been in this situation, he's going to say, get me out of here. I just don't think he's, he's built that way. And that's what people in Milwaukee will say. I think he actually has a pretty close relationship with Mike Budenholzer. I don't think he's interested in saying, get this guy out of here or anything like that. But I'm going to say something else. Bobby, I know that occasionally um, people in the NBA come to you to consult because you're in an interesting situation. You have 20 years experience in the front office. You have, you have expertise, but you don't work for any team right now. So you are sort of an unbiased individual. Once you take that shirt off that has a team logo on it and put one on that says ASPN, you then become easier to talk to for the other 29 teams. Um, I don't know if you charge these people for, for advice. <laughs> my, wife, my wife would like me to. Yeah. I thought except for the Bucks, though, Bobby. I thought that you hated them specifically. <laughs> <laughs> you hate everybody who used to use Obit you do for the next 25 um, Looking at this objectively, knowing that Giannis can get the exact same contract in this most likely – in the summer of 2021, as he can get in 2020. He will still be Supermax eligible in 2021. Yes, he would protect himself on injury, but he is 25, and I don't think there's any injury he could have that would keep him from getting the Supermax from Milwaukee. Um, I don't see objectively in a vacuum what benefit he has personally from extending this summer, this offseason. Um, I just think it is. It would be an incredible gift to the Bucks organization, and maybe he wants to do it. But if, but if if he came to you and asked for your advice, you would say what? I'd say play it out. I, I think it's the, I think it's the only objectively. It's the only. It's the only. It's the only correct decision. And by the yeah. way, I would probably say that even if they were in the finals. 
Yeah, I, I would say it played out, Brian, just because of um, the injury factor. And I think we saw with Kevin Durant that franchise players with, you know, even with a significant injury, and I know people are probably saying, we're DeMarcus Cousins. I don't put DeMarcus Cousins up in that A-list franchise player, but there's always a market for those guys. If you were coming off a knee or an Achilles and you're going to be a free agent, there's going to be someone sitting there waiting for with a 140 or $150 million contract. Okay. Um, so I'm not caught up in the whole super max $230 million contract because um, although it is a lot of money and it's, it's going to be, and, and it's going to be waiting for him in 2021, there's ways that you can get around that where if you want to go to another team, and sign these short-term deals and then kind of make up the money in, in the third year, you could go out and do that here. So if, if I was him, I would play out the year. You have basically the same, you have the same roster coming back here. You, you, under, you get a better landscape as far as where this team is going to go. And I always say that it's not about 2020, 21, or even 21, 21, 22. Like once you make that five-year commitment and it's, and it's five years, it's not three years or four years. Like, you are locked in to that to that group there, um, as far as having a comfort level. And there's like three or four questions that he he should ask himself as far as is there what's the commitment from ownership, right? We saw last year what happened with Malcolm Brogdon. They didn't want to retain him for, because of the luxury tax. They deemed them as a luxury, right? That's what the, the ownership already came out and, and said that. Um, you know what's going to happen with the coach? You know, you know we've seen a lot of coaches get fired who have won. 70, 75% of games. I mean, shoot, in New Jersey, we fired Byron Scott and we went to two finals after two finals in a row. Right. Um, so, you know, what's the, going to happen with the coach? The, as I would say, the resources to build up the roster. So I don't think just because it's, he's super max eligible that he should sign right off the, wet, off the bat. Or do I think just because he doesn't sign it, that all of a sudden is the red, there's a, the alarms all of a sudden go off. Well, and but that's what's going to happen. I, I know mm-hmm. that's going to happen. That's the world we live in. That's going to happen. I, I, I know, um, but I, I don't think, and I, and I don't, as we talked said earlier, I don't think they will not trade him unless he comes and asks to be traded, right? Like, or there's a sense that you know Miami is waiting for him, and that you know they get information that he's going to go to Miami in 2021. I don't even know if I'd still trade him then. <laughs> you know, I, I think I would just play out this year here. Mm-hmm. I have two two thoughts on this though, real quick. That on the one hand, you know, Bobby was talking about how you know if if he signs that deal, he locks himself in. But kind of in this modern era, Bobby, I almost feel like contracts don't really exist with a lot of these guys. <laughs> and that like while you know, tangibly, yes, you have a five year contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. All it takes is one little trade request and a little bit of oh, leverage, yeah. and you're finding your way somewhere else. So in some ways. You can kind of have your cake and eat it too. You can go get your like security Somewhat, because if you sign the supermax, you are not eligible to be traded for a year. For a year, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. you play out a year, but I mean, like you know, the Thunder threw a party for Paul George, and we're trading him a year later. You know, for like you know, it was this triumphant moment of like re-signing a, a franchise level player, and then you trade him. I mean, it's it's just kind of contracts are just not as meaningful as they were. And then the other the other side of it is. I think a lot of this, you know, this is kind of exterior stuff with Giannis, which it's natural. He's he has reached that level of player. He's going to be a two-time MVP. Um, he is an icon level guy. Where we have to have these conversations about legacy and him and and what's next for him. 
But I mean, I, I think a lot about a guy like Damian Lillard, where you know he may not be at the level of Giannis, but it's just Damian Lillard's like Portland's my team. I'm signing it. I'm staying. You build your roster around me. And I think we're kind of making the assumption that Giannis like wants more. He wants new market, new team, new players, super right, team, yeah. whatever. I, I just don't think you can make that assumption. Right. Exactly. And so I mean, like Giannis could also build like the legacy of the greatest player in Milwaukee Bucks franchise history. And and maybe that's important to him. Well, I mean, it's not like he's on some bad team. His teams are going to be good no matter what. Um, and I also wonder, Brian, like, you know, does does this unique situation factor in for him? You know, the Bucks, if not, if COVID doesn't happen, I mean, a lot, a lot of things change. But, like, the Bucks were the best team in the NBA statistically. Like, they were overwhelmingly great. And did the hiatus disrupt them? And, you know, and then everything that happened with them um, – uh, you know, with the postponement. I mean, there's there's a lot of exterior factors, I think, that have kind of gone into this Bucks year. And and maybe maybe that factors in and there's a new perspective for Giannis. I just remember 2009 Cavs, 66 wins. True. A terrible matchup for them uh, against the Orlando Magic. They, 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 had, they had gone 8-0 the first two rounds of the playoffs. Um, wasn't like they were a bad – they weren't like they weren't built for the playoffs. They were just really poorly built for the Magic. Um, Magic knock them out 4-2 could have easily been 4-1 and their heart is in their throat about LeBron because he's going into the last year of his deal and they panic trade for Shaquille O'Neal mm-hmm. and uh, what's the Bucks panic trade for Chris Paul <laughs> is, that, is that what they're <laughs> I don't know I've, I've been thinking about that one now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. I love when you throw these thunder. Where would Chris Paul be traded to? I think uh, I, I look at I look at three teams. Bobby knows better than me, but I look at three teams as the most likely destinations: that Philly, New York, Knicks, and Milwaukee. Those are the three teams that I think are are logical places. Well, I think the day of um, having to attach things to Chris Paul. And I, ex- over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You think so? laughs> yeah, I think so. By I the way. So. Uh, I th- I mean, as great as he was this year, I think the Thunder, if they get anything, they trade him. Yeah, I mean, this is their time to sell high, right? Yeah. Like this, this strike while the iron's hot. Sell high, sell yeah. period. Yeah, well, I mean, and if you saw Chris Paul's farewell video, that's essentially what it was to me on Twitter, of where he was kind of saying like, "Thanks for the year, guys." <laughs> like, that's well, and that's the I thing with that's the thing with how Sam Presti has built, and you, Royce, you're the expert with them. How they built these the rosters, they just kind of turn guys over, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, they they never like as I said with like Schroeder yeah. and, and Stephen Adams like they're not going to go into twenty one with fifty million dollars in cap space right like they're going to turn those guys into maybe an extension or another player it just kind of it just the, the wheels keep on going here and it, and it's not like Chris is just going to that forty four million dollars is going to expire off the books he will probably turn into something else here yeah there, there's that like there's a through line that you can connect to basically like Kurt Thomas or even further back from that with the Thunder. I mean, like that, like they just, they basically take a player and turn him into like a 25 year asset. I mean, that's what they do. I mean, while a lot of people thought like they should, yeah, 
you know, wave Carmelo Anthony, stretch and wave that dude. Um, it turned into Schroeder. And, you know, I don't know what they're going to get for a guy like Schroeder, but, like, that's what they do. So, yeah, I mean, they're not, they're not going to – You know, here's, a, here's a little um, interesting nugget. Um, it would be interesting, Bobby, if after not paying Malcolm Brogdon, after not wanting to pay Malcolm Brogdon, and then really suffering from that lack of playmaking at guard, the Bucks went and went and traded for Chris Paul and paid him for forty million. <laughs> um, like I, I don't even know what that trade would even have to look like. I don't know. You know what somebody? You know what somebody told me, Brian, and they made it. It was um, I know all roads lead back to Thunder here for me, but um, they they kind of said that the the Brogdon trade is like the like the poor man's Harden trade. It could be like that for the the Bucks, you know, in some ways. Like it's obviously not as impactful, but it could be the type of thing where they look back on it and be like, that was kind of a financially driven move. And they didn't pay the guy, and things kind of looked different for them in, in the uh, postmortem of making that trade. Well, you know, the, you know, nothing can be taken just in a vacuum. The concept of they let Malcolm Brogdon walk. What happened was they were worried about his injury history, and they just they preferred Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, yeah, they extended. They had extended Eric right mm-hmm. in the middle of the. I think in March. I would just say that, that year. you know Eric Bledsoe is represented by Rich Paul. And um, I love when Rich you do this. Paul, Rich Paul's lead negotiator <laughs> is a guy named Mark Termini, um, who's been an agent for thirty years. Oh yeah, or so. Yeah, Kevin Edwards when I was in New Jersey. That was the first. I think that was the first guy I ever picked up at the airport. <laughs> Mark <laughs> Termini was the first guy you picked up. At no, the Kevin Edwards. Oh, Kevin Edwards. Okay. The Paul's finest. So Mark Termini has a long reputation of being a rock to negotiate against okay uh his one of his signature moves was he held jim jackson out until march he was a rookie when he got drafted by dallas and he held jim jackson out until march back before there was a rookie scale and there could be holdouts um if rich paul and mark termini agree to a contract extension before a guy gets to free agency I would advise you not to sign that extension if you're the team, because that means that they think it's a better deal they can get in free agency. And I'm telling you, nobody is going to have, nobody is going to have out-researched the market. Now he may not win every negotiation, but I'm going to tell you, nobody will have out, who will have worked harder to research the market than Mark Germany. So when Eric Bledsoe signed that contract extension, it was great for Eric Bledsoe and the Bucks are obviously happy, but I was like, wow. Rich did not let him go to free agency. He must think this is a great deal um, because Rich is unrelenting. You know, Rich is held, Rich and Termini held out Tristan Thompson into November, J.R. Smith until December. I don't even remember. Felt like December, whatever it was. And they didn't even let Bledsoe get the, get the free agency. So that was the real decision. They took Bledsoe over, over Brogdon. Mm-hmm. You can't just say they let Brogdon walk because it wasn't them being – cheap per se because they and then they also re-signed Ibaka over Harden you know I mean you can well that's another story I know, I know I know the thing about that is they didn't use their amnesty but we're not going down that path I know um it would just be interesting now here's the thing about a lot of people connect the Knicks to Chris Paul because of the the Leon Rose connection um it was his agent I thought I think the Knicks are kind of tanking next year Bobby um, do they want Chris Paul? 
I think they want a high pick in the 2021 <laughs> draft, but I don't know. Maybe they want to play in 2021 free agency and having Chris Paul on the roster would help them do that. Yeah. I mean, if you're inheriting 41 and $44 million, I mean, that's, that's kind of what's coming in there. And that takes away your all basically all your room this year. And maybe even takes away most of your room for 21 because of if the cap, as we stayed stays at, at um, at 109 a million here. So yeah, I mean, I think you're connecting the dot. We you connect the dots because Leon in New York, but you know, there's another team that's got the Dallas picks and the Porzingis trade. They got young players here. And then they also have that money that can kind of just slide in here. But I think if you're looking at getting Chris, it's kind of more of like, how does he influence? I mean, you, Royce, you see it in Oklahoma city mm-hmm. with the younger players there and how good he has been from a leadership standpoint. Um, you know, what is that, how, what is that, how do, they, how do they factor in and how do they weigh that compared to, you know, all that money they've got to take back? Yeah, I mean, the Knicks kind of have this, like, we have adults in the room type of, like, mentality right now, right? Like, there's kind of a cultural reset, it seems like, that's going on, and nothing really emphasizes that, like, getting Chris Paul, um, who uh, did an unbelievable job in Oklahoma City, like you mentioned, Bobby, with the young players, from a leadership perspective, within the organization. I mean, he virtually coaches the team half the time. Um, you know, he just, he just kind of enhances your organization in, in a holistic sense. Yeah. He's 35 and he's owed, uh, you know, a crap ton of money coming up, which is. Well, and it's funny too, Royce, cause it, we'll, we'll have like that. He'll probably, I hope he doesn't, but he'll have, like sustain like a, like a hamstring next year. And we'll be like, Oh man, that contract's yeah. terrible. Right. <laughs> That's the thing. He was unbelievably healthy throughout this year. I mean, That's he, why I think the thunder will be willing to take the phone call. Yeah. <laughs> He, he missed one game, one game uh, all yeah, year long. It's amazing. Yeah, it's like almost like – And it was by his they, choice. It was after Kobe They died. both – that's right. They both needed each other. Chris Paul needed the Thunder, and the Thunder needed Chris Paul. They both maximized that, and now maybe they should move on. Um, would the Thunder like Al Horford? I know that they tried to sign him a few years ago when Billy Donovan first got there, and they, they he went to Boston instead. I mean, they've got Stephen Adams, who's extension eligible this summer, but um, – mm-hmm. I keep saying this summer. The summer is over. Right. It's fall. Um, might be a winner. Might be the winner. You're right. Um, would they take Al Horford? Because, you know, can you imagine Chris Paul, like, ordering Joel Embiid around? Yeah. <laughs> ordering, um, ordering Ben Simmons around? I mean, it might actually work. I mean, look, the Thunder are going to have to take salary back in, so, in some regard. I mean, that's just the, the nature of the deal. You know, I think, I think the years would be uh, a concern. What does Horford have left three years now after this? Two guaranteed, Bobby? Yeah, he's got two guaranteed, and then the, the last year it's half, and then if um, it's got some trigger dates as far as getting to like, the NBA it's a lot. finals it's a and lot, winning though. a championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but, like, but it, I think he's got like um, 70 guaranteed. But if you, you, know, if you attach a pick or you know, a young player, some, and, and basically you just extend the asset of Chris Paul again, right? Which is an extension of Russell Westbrook. So, like that's that's essentially what you're doing, and you know, I think the Thunder would probably view somebody like Horford as again a good cultural fit within the organization. Um, you know, I don't know if he's like a tankable player because, you know, by all appearances, once the Thunder make the move to move on from Chris Paul, that's kind of when they're going to hit their reset button. That's when I think they'll start tearing down some of the pieces. Schroeder will go, Adams might go, um, and they'll start to you know sort of begin their first ever rebuild since they moved to Oklahoma City. Um, I don't know how Horford would fit into that. They may try to then look to, to move on again. It may just kind of be recycling those types of pieces over and over again. 
that's that's one of the big. You know, I don't think we're going to see a lot of action in free agency. Of course, now we probably will, but I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of movement. The trade market's where the big movement in the offseason is going to be, and Chris Paul is one of the big things out there um, for sure. And I also think that there's, you know, Bobby. I think there's six or seven teams that are really primed to make a deal. You know, oh, yeah. um, so not not for Chris Paul, but like you know that are you know Philly, oh, yeah. Philly, Philly, Brooklyn, yeah, Brooklyn's going to make some deal. Yeah. I would assume. Yeah, Brooklyn's going to yeah. make a move, right? For sure. I would think. Yeah, I would think. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is, all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Before we go, Andrew Hahn would not let me post this podcast if he found out in the last week that our Bobby Marks went to high school with David Blaine. <laughs> high school? I went to I went to grammar school with him too. Okay, great. I even slept right. over his house. How's that sound? Okay. Oh boy, Royce. Andrew has not been able to stop talking about this. He. I honestly think he finds this more fascinating than if he had found out that Bobby was married to Kim Kardashian. <laughs> hey, I did go to her wedding then. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, would, if, I, would, I think he honestly would have felt that was more amazing. I mean, look, I've, I've sat at many a table with Bobby, and he'll just kind of casually start rattling off these stories that are just like blowing your mind of like just unbelievable NBA experiences. And then – just to top it off, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I know David Blaine. <laughs> I mean, like, so, well, yeah, I, I'm funny, under though. orders. I don't have so, a choice, Bobby. So you have his to... real name is David Bucalo for everyone, for anyone out there who uh, who calls him David Blaine. But, yeah, I grew up with him. Did in... you call him Bucalo? Hey, Bucalo, get yeah. over here. Yeah, I actually that's sent a, Andrew. That's the kind of name that you would call somebody. By I actually sent Andrew a picture from when we played uh, football in fifth grade from the team picture of him smack dab right in the middle there, number 15, um, what is bushy, dark hair. Um, but yeah, he did not do magic in, in grammar school. Uh, I think he started to do it towards the tail end of high school here. Did he play um, high school football? Because you could see like he played high school football. Yeah. Quarterbacks back to pass. Yeah. Uh, the, the ball's gone. The ball's uh, gone. We don't know where the ball, wait a minute. <laughs> Blaine has the ball in the end zone. How did Blaine get to the end? Wait a minute. Blaine, Blaine but here, levitated to the, the end zone. Backfield. 
So here's a funny story, though, real quick, is that in uh, back during the pandemic, the um, where we went to school, they asked me to do like one of those video tributes to like the uh, graduating seniors or eighth graders or whatever. And I said, sure. So they sent me the copy and I felt like I was like going to be like the A-list celebrity. And I like I was number one, like two on the list. And then all of a sudden, here he I comes. Guy. Number Bucalo. four, David Bucalo <laughs> slash Blaine. <laughs> I was defeated. <laughs> oh man! So if he if he saw you, Bobby, would he be like, Bobby, what's up, man? Yeah, I saw. Him. I think the last time I saw him was at a Knicks game. That's amazing! Yeah. Wow. Well, Andrew, there's your David Blaine. I I I think he was hoping for like. I don't have know, any magic stories. He took your lunch money out of your back no. of your wallet and took no. it out. No, it was a good. Uh, it's a good relationship. There's no magic's going to be preached on me. I'm not going to disappear because I was mean to him in high school. Now, David Bowie is very no is very well known, in addition to magic, for dating some models and yeah. and women of that caliber. How did he? He was do? dating. He, he was dating a singer. I forgot who her name was. Um, and I think when he first started out. But um, was did he use magic to? I would say <laughs> I would I would say there's probably a difference between playing football uh, for a high school compared to you know doing magic on Broadway or burning yourself alive or floating over to the Grand Canyon with balloons. <laughs> Didn't he like hold his breath for like five? Wasn't that one of his things? Is that, yeah. Is yeah, that even magic? Never... Is that even magic? I don't even know. I don't know. We blurred it's the an illusion. It's an okay, illusion, Royce. Illusion. illusion. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Would he tell you? Would, uh, he, would he tell you the secret of one if you asked? He would not tell me the secret. No, can't can't do no. that. Okay. No. Bobby doesn't tell him the secret to the cellar. That's true. No. <laughs> Figure it out yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Now you have your David Blaine information for the week. Um, appreciate it, uh, everyone. Uh, have a uh, hope you had a good Labor Day holiday, and we'll be talking to you soon. Mm-hmm.